Hello, testing, testing. Hey, Brian, you beat us to it. What's going on? How are you? Hey, 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 doing all right. Hey, uh, since you since you started the room, uh, you just make me a little moderator, and then I'll, I'll handle everything from there. If you click on my uh, my name or my face and just do make moderator. 
Hold on, let me uh let me do that. One second. Yeah, no worries. And hey everybody, thanks for uh, thanks for popping in. We'll get started. It's about seven fifty four PM Eastern time. We'll get started promptly at eight PM. Usually we're waiting for our for our guest of honor, but but Brian uh bring the, the prompt uh marine, right, Brian? That is correct. And thank you for your service. Uh, so if you're on time, you're late, I presume. So Brian is obviously early. That is correct. Can let me see. Make the moderator. Can I? Uh, did I do it? Uh, no. Where do I do it at? Actually. So just just select my face, and it's gonna, yep. and then you see it says view profile, and then underneath that it should say move to audience, and it might say make moderator. I think. Um. Let me see. I see your profile. Uh, it says I'm give money to. <laughs> no, 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 no. So all the way at the bottom, be, be, yeah. not the words. Uh, look for like these. Uh, uh, you know what? Exit out. Exit out. And then right. try it again. But, but don't click view profile. Just. just. Actually, just let me click. do it this way. Let me see. Okay. Make moderator. What about there? Now? It is. There it is. All right. Here we go. We're Good. business. All right. Hey, Octavia, how are you? Octavia, just a quick microphone check for you. Oh, no. I hear you, but very low. Anyways, if you just join us, we'll get started, as you know, in a few minutes. And Brian, uh, this is being recorded uh, for playbacks. Hopefully, that's not a concern. Um, we can keep it, obviously, not related to. We usually don't talk about work stuff, so. No, it's all good. Oh. All good. All right. Good. good Testing. Good. Is it yep. better? That sounds much better, Octavia. How are you? Awesome. I'm good. How are you? Doing okay. Doing okay. I'm just trying to add a few topics here. So we're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about networking. And uh, what else should we talk about this evening? Oh, it should be fun. I don't know. I've been I've been, uh, I've been out of the loop for a while, as as most of you know. I've been having to handle my day job and been across the uh, across on the west coast, and I was taking some holiday, much needed rest and relaxation after uh, after last well, two weekends ago, I guess. That work, work gets in the way of the fun, doesn't it? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. I see a, I see a few familiar faces in the audience. What's up, Omar? Uh, I don't know how you get that little heart. I don't know how that pops up on your uh, on your profile. That looks cool. Don't know what it means, uh, but I think it looks cool. Omar, I'll bring you up. You can tell me. Go ahead. Hey, Thomas. How's it going? It's going all right, man. How do you get that little heart on your profile? Just got to add either the heart or the raised fist uh, emoji in your profile. The raised fist? Nice. Like yes. if I have a... Like so you could go with one or, the, one or the other. That's oh. like during uh, Black History. Oh. oh, is that what that is? Okay, got it. Got it. Awesome. All right, I'm going to move you back down to the audience. But thanks no doubt. For, uh, thank, thanks for letting me know. Russell, how's it going? 
Oh, I'm living the dream. How about you, Tomas? I'm doing all right. I'm doing fantastic now that we've got a few mods in the house. And we've got Brian. Brian is excited. Um, I, I can tell. Even though I can't see him, I, I just know that he's excited for this conversation. Uh, I know I'm excited to uh, to learn a lot more about Brian and hear his, his sort of journey and story. Uh, and I hope everybody who listens to this is uh, enjoys it. Um, I'm just doing some quick little logistical items here, Brian, and then we'll get started. Something that I want to add here, because this is the Brian show this evening. So if you don't follow Brian on LinkedIn, there's I put a, put a little link on there so you can see his profile. Um, but there's a lot of there's relatively familiar faces in the audience. If you're new to our fireside chat, we do this every Wednesday. Uh, we run for about an hour and a half. And so we run from about 8 p.m. Eastern time to about 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. And what we usually do is we like to ask our guests a few questions uh, to just set the tone for the room, if you will. And then once we uh, once we sort of get past asking questions and we get to like that 30 minute or so mark, 30 to 45 minutes or so, we'll open up for the audience to pop up on stage and ask questions. So uh, we haven't started yet. So I'm, uh, I know, Ryan, you, you – oh, all right, Ryan, wait, lower her hand. Okay, good. Um, I was going to – Bring you up real quick to see what, what's going on with you. Uh, but we'll bring folks up on stage uh, about 30 to 45 minutes or so into the uh, conversation. Hey, Elizabeth, how are you? Hello, hello. Good evening. Elizabeth, good evening. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. So, look, we have a few quick ground rules before we get started. Uh, rule number one is pretty simple. Let's have a great time. Let's have a good conversation. Let's have fun. This is the middle of the week. It's meant to be a little lighthearted. It's meant to be a little bit more engaging on a personal level versus a, a professional level, although there are questions that might pop up uh, be, be around uh, individual sort of professional life and, and the sort of blurring of the two because, you know, if you're if you if you're at home, I've got a little sign in my house where it says home is where the work is. If you've been working from home for a long time, <laughs> you know, that that sort of re will resonate. Um, but yeah, look, let's have a really good, lighthearted conversation. Uh, if you do pop up on stage to ask a question, we ask that you please, please, please don't sell us on your product, your service, your offering or anything of that sort. Uh, use that sort of sales pitch that you might want to have at a different point in time. Um, you know, I know myself and I'm sure Brian and others, we get pitched all the time from different vendors. Uh, let's save that for a different conversation. Today, let's learn about more about Brian and his journey. Uh, so I'll, I'll ask that you all respect that. And then if you're not following our Fireside Chat, there's a little green house, a little green Monopoly house on the top left of your screen where it says Fireside Chat. You can click that and you can join the Fireside Chat Club. Uh, it does What it gives you, it gives you more access to see the calendar as to who our next few guests are. So we've got a lot of great guests uh, lined up over the next few months. Uh, so if you want to see who's coming up next, feel free to join the club and you can sort of scroll through that. Uh, Everything else is free, right? This is we do this to give back to the community. Um, Lisa Beth, did I hit all the rules? Lisa Beth has been standing in for me, so I appreciate her taking the uh, the helm. And others, did I hit all the rules? I think I did. You did. Just make sure we all have fun. Oh, you know what? I did miss one. I did miss one. One important one, at least for me. Uh, my comments and opinions, and most of our comments and opinions are our own, are our own, and do not represent our current or prior employer. 
so please uh, understand that and respect that. So without further ado, I'm just going to go around the room, Brian. We'll leave you for last because it is 8.01 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I'm Tomas Maldonado. I'm the CISO for the National Football League. Octavia, over to you. Hi, I'm Octavia Howell. I am the CISO for Aquifax Canada. And as Tomas said, uh, my opinions are mine and mine alone. I would add, do not also represent my future employers as well. Russell, over to you. Thank you, Octavia. Great to be here. And, and I'm enjoying this last couple of years of not having to worry about speaking for anybody because I'm well speaking for myself and my company. Russell Eubanks <laughs> here, former CISO for the Atlanta Fed. Last two years, been running my own uh, CISO practice as well. Uh, and just so incredible. Uh, and I always encourage everyone to put this on your calendar as a recurring reminder. There's always fantastic conversations uh, and always enjoy it so much. But Lisa Beth, over to you. Hello. Hello, everyone. My name is Lisa Beth Lentini-Walker. I'm the CEO of Lumen Worldwide Endeavors, which is a compliance, ethics, and corporate governance consulting firm. And I like to teach. I teach law school in the United States and Europe. And I also am a huge uh, fan of mentoring. And then I think I should just turn it over to Katie. Hi, everybody. Good evening. I'm Katie Hanahan. I'm a VP of Cybersecurity Strategy for a boutique SI out of Chicago. I'm also a VCSO and run our VCSO program. With that, I'll turn it back over to Tomas and Brian. Thank you, moderators. Thanks for introducing us. So, Brian, uh, we've got a great group of moderators on stage ready and waiting to ask you questions. So I will give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Uh, and for those listening in the audience, if you uh, want to ask a question while we're sort of going through this first part of the, of the uh, conversation. There's a little, there's an option where you can click, I think on here, you can click insights. I think that's the option and you can sort of ask your question and post that and we'll read that and, and try to answer those before we uh, get to you if you want to pop up on stage and do it live. So without further ado, Brian, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? Awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, Tomas. I really, really appreciate it. My name is Brian Lazada. I'm the CISO over at HBO Max. I've been there for a little over two years, been in the cyberspace for over 15 years now. Uh, and yeah, really excited to be here and, and have a good conversation tonight. Now, we're happy to have you, Brian, and, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to sort of uh, engage us, engage with us on this conversation. You know, I usually like to ask our, our guests this this one question around their origin story. And and why don't you, you know, you, so I don't want to steal, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I do want you to share with us, you know, you, how, how did you become who you are today? What has been sort of the challenges and obstacles that you've you know, gone through and overcome throughout your life and, and those opportunities that have been presented to you, to you uh, as you've started to sort of build your career and, and shape and mold who you are today. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? No, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. I, security is, uh, you know, I, I sincerely believe that security is a calling. Um, I, I tell my folks all the time that security is, it's a state of mind. It's not a piece of paper. It's not something that you could refer to. It's something that you live something that you breathe. I, I started in my career uh, early on and uh, I came out of the military. I, I did not do cyber in the military. I was in the Marine Corps. I, uh, I was a radio operator. Uh, so I, I, I humped a radio on my back. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, and this is early 2000s, I, I, I just wanted to get a, you know, a comp sci degree. And, and I was really attracted to technology. And that's what I really wanted to do. And when I was graduating, um, I, I was approached at, at my university by Accenture. 
they were starting pretty hardcore in like 20, 2003, 2004 to build out their cyber practice. And they were really focusing on uh, just government and being a former Marine and, and still having an active clearance. I think that kind of like paved the way for them to make me an offer. And that's when I really got my first uh, kind of like civilian job and, and, and really got my, my, my foot in the door when it came into to, to cyber. Unique space being in, in, in consulting uh, and being being with, with Accenture. Uh, it, it, you know, being in the Marine Corps, you, you, you learn a lot of discipline skills, you learn a lot of structure, but your soft skills aren't really there. Uh, so I thought it was a great opportunity when I, when I did go to Accenture that it helped me, you know, sharpen my, my, my soft skills and really work with, with, with communication, which I have carried throughout my entire, my, my entire career. I think, you know, one of the, the, the biggest tools that a cyber practitioner or security practitioner can have is the ability to communicate and translate risk into either you know business risk or to a a manner that your your partner or your client is going to understand that they need to focus on it and and Accenture really gave me that that opportunity to sharpen that skill and develop that skill so that was the first uh, first kind of like the you know security job that I had at, in, in in the private sector um, and then shortly after that. I went to go work for my first startup, and, and I've always been kind of like attracted to startups since then, and that was Vonage. I don't know if you get, do you guys remember Vonage, like the, the VoIP company? Yep, I remember yeah, it well. The, the, the cool commercials. Uh, so uh, I, I went to go work for Vonage very early on. It was like 2005. It was, you know, took them public, uh, but it was the first uh, first time that I was trying to to work security into a fast paced moving environment and like how do you get security to be to matter uh to developers and to engineers when they're just trying to execute and you know deliver and, and and ship products so kind of framed the way that i i, I look at security today uh it, it really framed my approach of, of partnership for first and and really looking at, at leading with empathy and, and understanding that workflow that your your business partners are trying to go through and how to you know weave security into it. Uh, I was there for about three years. It was a lot of fun uh, to to take a company public and uh, a big thing came out when I was there, which was um, PCI. Oh man, that was uh, at the time Vonage was like uh, they were taking like two yeah you know, over two million credit cards. Uh, that's how they 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 collected. Uh, their payments. So they're taking over like two million credit cards a, a month, and like PCI became the thing. And I was like, I, you know, from one one day to the next, you're, uh oh, we got to be level one PCI compliant. And the whole the whole shift of, of the program, you know, went over to how do we make this this organization PCI compliant without slowing them down, because it is such a, a core component to the business, right? That's how they were collecting. I think it was like ninety eight percent of the revenue at the time, or something like that. So, a uh, lot of fun. Spent uh, close to to four years there, a little over three years there. Um, and then I, I uh, you know, decided to to try media and entertainment. <laughs> that's where I've, I've uh, kind of like made, I think, most of my mark in, in, in my career, where I've stayed most of most of my time in my career. And I went to go work for uh, for Sony Music. Um, and that was a very interesting uh, journey for me, uh, trying to bring security to the creative workforce. Uh, that that was uh, like fun. Uh, but a very big eye opener, right? Uh, working with creative uh, mindsets is is unique, and and it, it, I went to Sony Music when it was big digital transformation because this was like two thousand nine. Like, who's buying CDs? Nobody was buying CDs. It was at the time that Sony was like really going through that digital transformation and saying, how do we convert our product from being something that is very retail heavy 
to direct the consumer and digital distribution, right? And I was like, we got to work with, you know, engineers that are taking creative products and creative, uh, you know, material and, 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 and put that out into the public internet, which was, again, at the time was, was pretty new. Uh, so that was fun. And it was the first time that I really got introduced to uh, the cloud. And the power of AWS, and, and we were using AWS at the time, but just to see the the the, the power of using a, a technology like that uh, to scale the business and really reach out to to a direct to consumer market, and it was a interesting time too because it was like right when Michael Jackson died and, and was part of the Sony Music family, and just seeing that whole dynamic, watching watching us rapidly put MichaelJackson.com and scaling it up pretty high, so that when we announced it to the public that he had you know, past that there was enough, uh, you know, the, the site wouldn't go down. Uh, so it's just interesting things like that and seeing where security played a role there. Um, and then after that, I went to go work for um, another media company, Combine S, which was like Vogue, Vogue, GQ, Allure, Vanity Fair, those 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 big publications. Same kind, kind of, uh, uh, you know, approach, which was who was buying magazines. This is like 2014, like nobody was buying magazines. Everything was digital distribution. So it was like, how do we, we help the, that, that creative workforce think about getting their product to get into the big thing was apps, making like a, a specific app per, per, per brand, like a Vogue app or a you know, New Yorker app, and then moving them 100% to AWS. So uh, again, a big portion of my career was in media and entertainment and just really working with that creative workforce has framed, again, my approach on how I look at security and, and really leading with empathy and trying to understand your business partners, because they all have different missions that they're trying to accomplish. And sometimes when security goes in and you're saying something's wrong, they, it feels like you're being abrasive or you're being a little standoffish. And, and, you know, working with creative folks has helped me take a different approach to partner and try to get security to be part of the solution. Um, and then after Conde, went to another startup, ZocDoc. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with ZocDoc, but, uh, you know, very mission-driven company. I was really excited to work for, for ZocDoc. It's, uh, healthcare is broken in this country, and ZocDoc was doing a really good approach to to pair doctors with with patients. So ZocDoc is like the open table for for doctors. Uh, over 10 million patients a month use ZocDoc to find and book doctors' appointments on demand. Uh, so it's it, it was fun. I was there for a CISO, and you know had a lot of fun there. I was there almost you know over three years, and then uh, you know media and entertainment called me back, uh, and and I, I've been at HBO Max for the last uh, or Warner Media with with HBO Max for the last. Uh, uh, two years. Uh, and uh, HBO Max has been a unique experience because it's, I call it a startup within a big, huge uh, organization, right? Because it is part of Warner Media, which is CNN and TNT and TBS and WB and WB Games and all of these, these massive media, uh, you know, brands. Uh, but HBO Max is the, the premier direct to consumer product for, for Warner Media. So it is, it is really a startup within a, a, a large conglomerate and uh just a lot of fun over the last two years seeing seeing this product kind of like take off and you know we're, we just hit 75 million customers in over 18 months so uh we're in 56 countries and uh we launch on march 8th in, in the second part of of europe so i haven't slept in a few weeks preparing for that uh so just having fun with there so that's that's my career journey and how i, I kind of like came to, to where i am today and uh all of those experiences between the startups and and media and entertainment have really framed how I how I approach security again with that that partnership partnership centric approach and and really leading with empathy. No, that's awesome, Brian. And, and look, it's 
it's it's shown some great progression and great growth throughout your your sort of career journey. And, and I wanted to ask you before I sort of pass it over to Octavia and welcome, Anil. Thanks for joining us, and we'll, we'll let you introduce yourself in a second. Uh, I wanted to ask you before you got into the Marine Corps, like what was that decision process? Like what what sort of pushed you or or, or motivated you to join the uh, the Marines? Like what, what was going on in that time of, of your life? Great question. I I always had that feeling that. Uh, I don't know if it was, a, it was a giving back feeling or something that I wanted to do something that was beyond myself. That wasn't really about, you know, I, I felt that, you know, being something, being part of something that was bigger than me or, or that was an, an impact. Uh, I always had that calling. So I, I, I was very drawn to it. I, I come from a Marine Corps family. You know, my, my older brother was a Marine. My father was a Marine. So it, it kind of like was embedded in me, I think, but I was really attracted to just the mission and just being part of something that again was, was larger than, than, than yourself and, and that opportunity to give back. And, and that is something that I think most Marines will, 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 you know, tell you about that. It, it is a rewarding feeling um, to, to, to be part of that, that, you know, that brotherhood or that sisterhood. Great. Great. Awesome. Uh, Octavia, over to you. Hey, yeah. Thanks, Tomas. Hey, Brian. I think you're the only Marine that I've ever heard that, Talks about another marine in the past. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, once a marine, always a marine. We always uh, that's that's our saying. Absolutely, my husband is a marine, so uh, he actually got out in two thousand four. So it's possible that you guys crossed paths, but um, he was in telecom as well um, in field operations. But you know, you have a very interesting story and. You know, during the time of like the early 2000s, around like, you know, late 2000s, when we were kind of going from voiceover IP, more from, from digital, from, what is it, analog to digital and going over to voiceover IP, that's, it seems like that's around the time that you really started in the journey of, um, of information security. And like, what was that like to actually see that transformation and really see people shift because now you have people who are infrastructure security, network security, cyber ops, information security, and we're all just one conglomerate of cybersecurity with these eight different domains. They're doing that early time. It was very much segmented. So how was that? How was that in, in your partnership and how did you make sure that everyone was collaborating? You know, that's a great question because you're absolutely right. This is like, 2004, 2005, 2006, like this whole time frame, security was, hey, that, that's, that's the, the individual that looks at the, the virus on your laptop, right? Or that's somebody that's configuring a firewall. It really, it really was, it was not part of the business. It absolutely not. I, I say this all the time, like security was a, a third string player on a second place team back then. Like it was really a 1000% afterthought. But once you see all of these businesses start going through that digital transformation and really embracing technology and really embracing that they need technology to succeed and really convert their products into that digital, you know, digital delivery or software integrated world where we are today, security started taking shape in those business conversations. And it really started taking shape into how do we help, you know, the business execute on their mission and that security is part of that resilience or part of that ability to respond if something negative were to happen. So, but I mean, I'd say between 2005 to like 2010, 2011, I think it was, a, it, it was a struggle. I think we were always trying to compete for budget. We were always trying to get 
attention from you know those those uh, business leaders to to really show where the value was for security to be part of those conversations. And it was exactly that, like going from an analog to a digital format. Again, that digital transformation that these businesses were going through. It's like they didn't they didn't think about that the risk that converting over to a digital world that 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 comes with and how security practitioners could help alleviate that risk and really push the business forward. Now, I think it's a it's completely different. I think security, at least in my experience, security has been uh, it, it absolutely has a seat at the table. And I think it, it is more so now than ever before because we are a software integrated world and, and every product, every company in the world is a, is a technology company, whether they want to accept it or not. Like they're not going to reach their customer, uh, retain their customer or, you know, uh, be able to, to harness some of the, the customer data if they're not a technical company. So I think businesses realize that now and they know that the investment in security is absolutely necessary. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And it's it's interesting because, you know, if you don't, if you're not looking at the risk, and I, I don't, I would actually venture to say, like you said, the companies didn't know the risks back then in like the early 2000s. I would say even security practitioners didn't really understand the full level of risk and the reach that we would, we would be getting because we didn't really maybe understand, you know, how culture played a role in it either. But we can I, have this conversation all day long. Go ahead, Brian. No, I, I, I agree with you. I totally agree. Because even back then, like, not being part of those business conversations, how do you apply that security lens if you don't understand where the mission of the company is going or what the vision of the company was? So I 1,000% agree with you. I think we were blindly to the blind back then. Uh, I think we, it, we're in a better spot now. Still a lot of room to grow. But I think we're definitely in a better spot now as, as, as an industry. Absolutely. Um, thank you, Brian. Russell, over to you. Thank you, Octavia. And Brian, you know, we said it already, you know, thank you for your service to our country and all the cool things that you've done um, there. A question I have for you, you, know, you talked about a partnership approach. What does that look like, the tension between partnering, say, with your boss, partnering with the business and the mission, like you just now said, versus, you know, wanting to be hands-on, working with, leading people that lead people that do, you know, the the cool uh, cyber things. How do you manage that tension between, you know, wanting to do both things, but sometimes having to make a choice of where to spend uh, your your valuable time? Yeah, it's it's tough choices and trade-offs. You're always going to have that, right? I, I, I When it comes to partnership, I like to look at the business and understand, and any industry that I go to or any kind of like business that I'm working with is, Let's understand the critical paths of the business. What is it what makes this business tick? What is it that is, is making this business a business? Once you understand those critical paths and you understand the players that are supporting that critical path, and I'll take HBO Max as an example, right? Where we want to make sure that all of our customers can enjoy the experience so that they can log in, they can click on some content, and that content gets delivered. That's two, two critical paths right there. Login and registration, making sure that those customers are, have that ability to do it, and then making sure that, that content gets out there. So I really started looking at those those partners that that manage and build those two parts of the critical path and seeing where is their risk that we can help them either identify or remove from their plate. These are folks that are at the ground level. They're there solving customer problems and they need to ideate. They need to innovate. They need to think differently to, 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 to really push the product forward. So how as security practitioners can we help them do that, help them solve that problem, but make sure that security is part of that that solution so I, I i again partnering with those folks and then positioning the resources within the security team to help 
those service teams. And, and you, know, you know, at HBO Max, we have, you know, engineers that are dedicated specifically to application security. We have, and those application security engineers, they're not there giving out, hey, this is an AppSec report that says that there's a vulnerability. That's not it. Uh, it look, that's valuable. Don't get me wrong. It is 1,000% valuable. But what I like more is that the engineers are working with those developers that are in the experience and helping them get to that next step and really even delivering sometimes 50% of that package or that library that they need to use that's either going to solve uh, their problem or, or you know reduce that vulnerability. So really engineering with them. Same thing with the cloud engineers. They're not delivering a report. They're not doing anything like that. They're delivering Terraform templates. They're delivering half of that solution there that a developer or, or you know infrastructure engineer can just take it and go. I, I say this in the team all the time. I want the solutions that we provide to be two clicks away from a fix. Uh, you know, think of the, the modern workforce. The modern workforce grew up Googling something, searching for something, and using that data to make a decision for, for, for downstream solving a problem. We as security practitioners need to do the same thing. We need to make our services available, that they're uh, available for, for engineers to search for them and literally just consume them and be, be kind of like a customer service uh, uh, kind of like solution. So I really drive the engineers to, to uh, you know, provide solutions um, to, to, to the engineering organization. That was great. Go ahead. Um, I, I really liked your answer, um, Brian. And, and as the others have mentioned, thank you so much for your service. I am a Marine Corps wife. My husband uh, did 20 years. Awesome. <laughs> and awesome. Always, always a Marine Corps wife, always a Marine. Um, so thank you. Um, let me ask you a little bit of a different question. Um, when you think about your everyday today, what's your why? What's your reason for getting up in the morning? What's the most important thing to you right now? That's a great question. I think the most important thing for me right now in this point of my career is the team. I love seeing how the team is is developing, how they're growing. Um, I love it when the team is trying. When they come to me with problems that they identified and that they want to throw engineering hours at, I love it uh, because it, I, I see their growth, right? And it's it's going in, it's going hand in hand with the growth of the product or, or, or where the company is going. So that is my why right now. Is is you know we. The motto across the, the HBO Max security team is let's secure the customer experience. And the customer for us is the 75 million on the, on the external side, but also our internal customers, which are developers. So when they come and they say, hey, I have a, a, you know, a problem that I've identified that I want to throw engineering hours towards, and it's going to solve this customer problem or it's going to solve this developer uh, uh, problem that's going to help facilitate the customer experience, that excites me. I, I really like seeing that. The, the team is, is constantly looking for positive disruption and, and trying to ideate on, on, on things. And it's, it's, again, it's not boring. Um, so they, they, you know, I encourage the team to constantly look for, for ways to be disruptive. So that's my why right now. I think the other why that I have is just the cool innovation port, parts that we're in, in in cyber. I think we have a really huge opportunity in the industry right now to push the envelope on how we think about security. And, and we're at the ground level with engineers helping, uh, uh, you know, developers put out the product. We could really change the way that we look at security as far as pitching it to the business. And, and 
ideating on how do we help developers do things quicker? How do we help? And I say this in, in the org all the time and folks take, take a step back. I actually want to help the business take risks. As a security practitioner, we're always like, we got to protect, we got to defend, we got, that's one-on-one. That's what we got into this game, thousand percent. But when you look at it from an, an ideation perspective and you're saying, we're coming up with solutions so that the business can take risk, right? The, the, we're in the business of innovating so that we can acquire customers. You're not going to have any ideation without risk. So help the business take that risk. So what are you doing from a security perspective to help those developers feel comfortable to ideate, right? So that's that's the other why that I have. I love it. I love the risk mindset and contextualizing everything. Uh, thanks so much. I have a million other questions, but I know that I need to turn it over to Katie. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa Beth. Um, hi, Brian. Um, so many things that are really interesting about your background. I mean, at some point, I, I think it would be interesting too to dig into some of the the personal whys and why it is so you're obviously very passionate about wanting to change the way um, us as an industry is looking at security. I find that really, uh, I identify with that as well. Um, but you, a couple of things that stood out to me, you went to several companies where you were bringing security to the creative workforce. I'd love to get a little bit of an idea. Is that something that um, you in your life, do you have creative outlets and, and that kind of thing? And then this, the second question I had too is that I noticed that a lot of these things are, um, you know, direct to, to consumer um, and the balance when you're doing something like that with 75 million customers, which by the way, I thought I was special until I heard I'm one of 75 million. <laughs> Um, so thanks for that. Um, you are special. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, in terms of you talk about your, your login and your registration and your consumer experience, I mean, you're balancing a lot there with working with the creative workforce, uh, with working with the engineers who are creating this customer experience, and then also dealing with, you know, the average person who's just wanting to log in and also have an understanding that their credentials are safe or, or what, what have you. So if you could kind of walk us through, um, you know, that aspect of what you're doing at HBO Max. And then I just, I noticed, you know, you had mentioned several times the creative workforce piece and the, um, you know, the direct consumer piece and how all those things kind of fit together in your strategy every day. No, that's a great question. I think that the, on the creative workforce piece, I, 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 when you look at technologists, you look at engineers, like we're all technologists, we're all engineers, we're all, uh, you know, in, 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 in that technology space. You think about it we're creative as well and 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 you, you don't get into tech to keep the lights on that's for sure you get into tech to to be disrupted so i think i've always been attracted to that creative workforce because they look at problems differently and they're looking at uh, you know how to how to uh, on delivering the product they're looking at how's the most creative way to deliver the product which i always find it interesting um and and, and fun to see that that aspect but also like the creative workforce they put a different thought process on on just an outlook on everything, right? They're thinking of it from a lens of creativity. And I think as security practitioners, we have a lot of great standards and a lot of, of, of things that we can follow. But sometimes when we go just by that, we miss the mark on how we're really helping the business. And I think if we start looking at things from a lens of that creative ability to use our resources and thinking out of the box to solve the problems it helps us get closer to the business uh, at least in, in 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 this world that i'm in for for, for media and entertainment and, and startups as well it's like you you definitely have to think out of the box you got to think 
differently in the creative workforce definitely gets you into that that mindset and helps you frame frame some of that when it comes to direct to consumer i mean that's the game right now like every company in the world is is trying to figure out how do i get closer to the consumer how do i how do i know more about the consumer like it, it it's all about wanting to know more about you not just for you know the ad tech portion of it but also to personalize that experience like you are special to us in, in, in HBO Max, right? We want to get it to the point that when you log in, like we could recommend those things to Katie because we know Katie. We have that, that personal connection, right? And, and you're not going to get that unless you go through a direct-to-consumer experience. You know, going through partners or going through third parties, you're just not going to have that ability to stay that close to the customer. So I think as, as the, the, the business world starts figuring out more that, Direct to consumer is definitely the way to pitch products and, and and stay closer to the consumer. We as security practitioners need to adapt as well and say, how do we help and 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 really understand where's that boundary of of pushing uh, 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 that direct to consumer approach, making sure that we're helping the business manage that consumer data as it comes through responsibly. How we're helping the business use that data responsibly to improve that experience and improve that product for the customer. All of that's a journey, and, and, and I think we're scratching the surface right now on what the direct-to-consumer world is going to look like um, in, in, in the next 20 years. And I think security is going to play such a core component to how businesses can use this direct-to-consumer arm to, to, to shape their, their business. Sounds like a family and friends discounts coming my way. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it, Brian. <laughs> Feel free. Uh, hey, look, just a quick room reset. If you just joined us, we've been chatting with uh, Brian Lazada, who's the uh, CISO at uh, HBO Max. Um, this is our weekly fireside chat. We do this every Wednesday between 8 p.m. Eastern time and 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're going to open up uh, uh, for questions in about uh, maybe about five or so minutes. Um, giving Brian a, a little bit of time to drink some water, catch his breath. And Brian, one of the things that I, you know, we we talk about sometimes on our on our weekly chats is, you know, we we talk about mental health and and you know, with all of the sort of work side of what we do and all the stresses that we have at work as as you know, very senior leadership positions, you know, thinking about how do you sort of stay focused on on you as a person, as an individual, like what are some of your mo- your personal motivations, if you will. Or, or things that you like to do aside from, you know, be a cybersecurity professional every every single day. Like how how do you de-stress? How do you work through mental health issues? What are some of the things that keeps you, you know, grounded right in in the world as, as a human? No, that's a great question because I think all of us as security practitioners we have that that welcome stress of being in the field or being in the industry. Uh, things that keep me, my anchor is, you know, I, I'm being a former Marine, getting up at five in the morning every day and, and hitting the gym. That's one of my anchors. It kind of like sets the tone for the day for me. Uh, it really helps me plan out my day when I'm there. I think that's one of the things that I've, I've kept uh, since getting out of the Marine Corps is just that, that regiment of, of, you know, using that, that you know, the gym or, or, or exercise to really ground me. I think that's one thing that I do to, to kind of like alleviate the, the other thing that I do, and, and, and I, I love doing, this is probably my favorite job, is I, I'm also an adjunct professor at Monmouth University. And I teach, uh, teach an undergrad course and a grad course uh, there. And, and I, I love giving, giving back to the industry, if you will, but at that level. 
when we're talking in this this you know this platform right here we're, we've all been in the industry we're all there we're all facing it but when you have students that are you know they're they haven't even graduated yet and they're they're they the eyes wide open right now and they they see the news like when we were in, in school you know the, the industry wasn't as big as it is now it's not in the news as, as much as it is now so they're seeing this with the eyes wide open it's helping give them a kind of like a perspective on what's really going to to, to what they really should expect uh, coming there and just seeing that curiosity that comes from from the students and giving them that opportunity to to bounce things off of, of somebody like myself that's that's in the industry. I usually host a a, a, a career panel. I post it on LinkedIn all the time. Of uh, you know, I, I have a few folks across the industry. I just just come talk to the students um, and tell them what they they should expect or what what, what kind of skills they should come out uh, of school looking for to get into to the space. Um, and, and that's that's a really good outlet for me because, again, it's it, it is about cyber, but it's not about stress. Right. It's about how are we giving back? How are we we preparing that next generation of, of uh, practitioners to, to come into our industry? Uh, definitely let me know when you when you do that. I'll be more than happy to sort of join and, and chat with your students and, and let them know. Oh, the thank you. And happy to. Thank happy you. To I will, I'll, I'll, I'll take you up on that for sure. Absolutely. Who's your favorite team? Do you like football? Who's your favorite football oh, team? So I'm, it's the Jets. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am a, a, a suffering Jets fan, but uh, I'm always optimistic. Well, I won't comment on that because I like all 32 teams equally. But uh, Octavio Kitty uh, or Lisa Bev, I think one, or actually Russell, any, anyone of you have another question? And before we get to that, uh, if you do have a question and you're in the audience and you want to ask a question, Raise your hand. We'll bring you up on stage and you can ask your question. If you don't want to ask your question live and you want to sort of uh, ask it, uh, I guess, uh, you know, in written format on the bottom left hand side of your screen where it says sort of you click that little icon, whatever that looks like, two arrows. You can do share on Clubhouse and type in your question there and interact with us that way as well. So, uh, Octavia, you want to ask a question, Lisa Beth? Yeah, I had I had one, you know. I think earlier on in the conversation, you said that you guys are about to expand into Europe. And, you know, if uh, for those who follow us, um, you all recently know that I moved to Canada from the U.S. And like there's a there's a cultural difference when you go to a different country um, when it comes to like work life balance and what that is on um, the expectation is. So as you guys are going into the Europe. Sorry, I think I'm lost. Am I back? Yeah, yeah you're, you're back. back. Yes. You're, back. you're I, back. I thought you got lost in in, in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I was I like, took... uh-oh, she's talking about Canada. That's it. They cut off. They cut me off, man. They cut me off. God, so it's the dog on Ministry of Foreign Everything. No, I was going to say, you know, I recently relocated from – Atlanta, Georgia to, to Toronto, Canada, right? And one of the things that I noticed in relocating, especially when it comes to like dealing with cybersecurity, dealing with work, and like I was a workaholic, like I'm always working. My son actually told me he didn't know what to get me for my birthday because he couldn't get me for, you know, he couldn't buy me work for my birthday, right? Because he, oh, wow. he thought that's the only thing I like doing, right? Which made me feel great, obviously. But um, but what I notice is when you come to a different country and you're thinking about moving into the European market, like there's some cultural differences that you have to take into consideration, especially when it comes to cyber and it comes to dealing and working with those other um, teams. 
what things do you think are going to be challenges or opportunities, right, for your team and, and opportunities to improve the culture? No, that's a great question. So we, we this is our second round going into to EMEA right now. We launched uh, the first round in October. Uh, so this is the second round. So I think it's another 15 countries, another 11 different languages. So we are staffing up in that area to support the customer experience out there. Uh, we do have some some cyber uh, 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 engineers out there. Um, I did my one of my latest uh, hires. Uh, her name is Rosa. She's based out of out of Madrid. Uh, so really excited that that she was able to join the team. But it, it's interesting you bring that up because that is something that we we have to take into consideration, right? There are different ways on how the workforce across regions uh, is is managed uh, on the internal side, right? Uh, we're all about securing the customer experience, but we want to have that nice work-life balance and ensure that we're giving the right opportunities to our engineers so that they could one uh, develop while they're with us, but also you know be be satisfied in in, in uh, you know, within their work. I do have to say, I have to give a lot of kudos to, to, to Warner Media, our parent company. They they give a lot of support. I mean, they have a lot of, of, of uh, uh, teams that, that help us in managing that work-life balance for our engineers, understanding the norms that are out in, the, in those regions uh, so that we don't overstep or we're not putting too much pressure on our engineers. Uh, so that, that helps. Um, I think a morale thing is also important when you think about different regions, right? It's we're we're a global team now. I, you know, I got folks in Europe, I got folks in the East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. You know, uh, 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 we're going to start hiring in in, in uh, Asia Pac soon. It's like, how do we? What do you do as as a leader, or what do you do as a team to make sure that even though we're in different regions of the world, that we feel as one one team, one cohesive team? So we're starting to come up with programs now on on how to. How do we all get out in all hands, even though we're all 24 by 7 in different regions? And how, how do we make sure that we're passing on kind of like that follow the sun approach with monitoring and, and, and kind of like the reporting? Uh, so we're starting to develop that now that helps with that cohesion of the team. But it also helps with we're making sure that we're not putting too much pressure on those those folks in those regions when it's off hours. Uh, so it is a balance. I think it's a fun balance to, to kind of like manage. Uh, but it's something as, as, you know, as a global leader, it's just something we're going to have to deal with. I think the remote workforce, COVID has made us all a remote workforce. I think the, the, the remote workforce angle over the last two years has really changed the way that we think of this, too. Because it, it does put, like, you, you just said, hey, you're always working. You're always working because you're always at home. We're, we're like, you know what I mean? Like, you're 12 hours behind that, that machine. I think there, the, the, that's something that we need to break as the industry is, you know, even though we are all working remote, we need to give ourselves some time away from work. And I think we haven't figured that piece out yet. Yeah, I think that when you go into the, <laughs> Europe, they're, they're going to help you figure it out. Like my team is helping me figure it out now. Right. I, I, Lisa I, 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 I encourage the team to be very open and honest, right? I, I, one thing that I tell the team all the time is that we're not a nine to five shop. Like I care that you do your job, right? I don't care when you log in, when you log out, uh, I care that the job and the mission is accomplished. And that, that's part of that on the leadership side, not putting too much pressure that, you know, that we're expecting too much or that we're putting too much on, on, on those individuals in those regions. I think we, we also need to be empathetic. Like we have to understand those regions and understand what the, what that culture is there. Absolutely. I don't know if anyone had anything else. I know Ryan jumped on stage. Yeah, just before we get to, there was a question that was sent to me, uh, if, you, if you guys uh, 
well, uh, let me read this one. Brian, the question is, you, br you brought a great point. You bring a great point about how you're enabling risk in your business. How, how, are pitch how are you pitching that to your business partners? Are you correlating that risk reward? If so, what specific top level metrics are you leveraging? So yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. How do you correlate it to to, to numbers or, or or data? It's looking at the vision of where the company's going, right? The the the, the vision that the company has of of again enhancing those uh, direct to consumer ex experiences with the opportunities to personalize and opportunities to do things within the experience that keep customers engaged with our products, not just HBO Max, but across the Warner Media family. It's saying we're helping, right? We're helping you get there quicker, right? This isn't something that, uh, you know, synthesizing data and helping that personalization takes time. Uh, and when you're able to say, we've, we've helped these engineers get there in half of the time that it would have taken because we've provided, a, a, you know, an event-driven architecture that helps them do things that if, if there is a misconfiguration, we're going to fix it, right? They could take risk quicker, or they could operate quicker uh, to get to, to solving that problem. Those are the type of things that we kind of like escalate up to management and show. Uh, you know, how we're adding value at, at that level. Sounds good. Thanks for that. Uh, Ryan, thanks for popping up on stage. Uh, you want to ask Brian? Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just jumping at the bit with this one. Um, I'll, I'll start off with uh, Brian. Nice to meet you. My name's Ryan. Um, anytime I meet a Marine, I have to, I have to kind of jokingly ask if you take the letters of Marine, from, what do you get? I'll just jump to my pipeline. It's Aaron. Um, I was in the Air Force, so just <laughs> I, I hope that would make you laugh. Yes, um, I've heard that many times. Is. I'm glad you enjoyed that. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, anyway, really love the conversation. I had my question like 20 minutes ago, and you've only since like added to it. So really looking forward to see where you take this, right? So you you mentioned a lot of like different places, and I'm I really and you mentioned culture, and I was thinking about well you know, between a startup culture or culture of a really established company, you know, a tech media culture, uh, health culture, uh, culture growth, or how will the culture be, right, change with, with growth into me and Asia Pac, right? Where, where I am with 10 years in, under my belt in cybersecurity is, I mean, at this point, I think, I think most people are pretty smart. Most people who are in security are, are pretty talented and, and have, you know, some experience and education under their belt. But, you know, do you see culture change by sector or or like company size or like how have you seen culture differ right i mean you have some military you have corporate um i don't know if you did government or if you said corporate with accenture right so just curious about how you see that and then how you see the best the best way also for um you know how's the business culture towards cybersecurity versus a cybersecurity's team maybe like the culture, like you said, about taking risk or, you know, wanting to come to work every day. I know that's like a that, big, do you, no, do you take that you want, but that's kind of where I've been kind of sitting as I listen to you. No, that's a great, great question. In my experience, culture is different by industry and it's different, uh, you know, by sector, a thousand percent. I think when I was with Accenture and that very corporate type of environment, uh, the culture of, there wasn't a culture of security. It was the fear of security. It was security's coming in here to tell you that something's wrong, right? And I think there's still a lot of that across the industry. I think when you get into kind of like the creative workforce and, and some of the startup workforces, again, they're trying to solve problems, operate quickly, and they're trying to, to ideate to do that. 
And when security comes into the room, it's like, uh oh, like who 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 let these guys in here? Like who let these folks in here? They're gonna come tell us that something's wrong or or that something's uh, that we can't do something that we're the office of no, right? So I think to create a security culture that is welcoming, I think leading with empathy, in my experience, is always the best. I, when I go into a room and, I'm, and, and, and let's say we're doing a threat model or we're trying to understand that architecture, I just want the developer to kind of like tell me what they're trying. What problem are they trying to solve? What is what pressure do you have from the business? What pressure do you have from product engineering that are telling you to do this? All right. Now that I understand that, this is how we're going to help you. Creating that culture that we're going in there to help instead of to go in there and say this is wrong or this is what you can't do, I think sets the tone on how you can further put that partnership throughout the organization, right? I think, again, I when I first came out of the, the, the Marine Corps and I went into to, to Accenture and, and yes, had all these government contracts, I was the office of no. And I would go into these 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 places and be like, yeah, this is totally wrong. You're not gonna, you're gonna do this. And, and I guess the point I'm trying to make is you catch more bees with honey than you do with vinegar, right? You, you have to have an open approach. You gotta understand your business problems, your business partner's problems in order to help them. And that creates that culture that you could really leverage to push the security program to be that enabler and be that 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 pillar that says we're helping you take risks, we're helping you innovate, we're helping you push the business forward. Instead of saying, we don't want you to do that because it's there's a risk or there's something wrong. I think that's one thing that helps create, you know, good positive culture and security is 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 understanding that business part. And the second thing is and a lot of security practitioners do this, man. They go into to, to meetings and it's like, I'm going to bring you a vulnerability report and tell you everything that's wrong. This is a piece of paper right here. And there's no context there. There's nothing in those vulnerability reports that are really going to matter to a developer at the ground level that is trying to solve a problem. I think you don't go into a meeting with with that compliance head or don't go into that, that meeting with you know that, that, that report from a tool that doesn't understand your environment that's saying that something's wrong understand it fully understand it and add value there and that'll create that culture again of that partnership and you want folks to reach out to you so i think that's that's a good way to start it hopefully i answer your question brian thanks for popping up on stage and asking you a question uh, i was just going to say brian that um i guess i got to throw out my 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 next slide deck and, and maybe uh go back to the drawing board now i'm just playing great advice <laughs> i completely agree with you you need to contextualize it make people understand completely agree um there is a question that so if you are in the audience and you want to ask brian a question feel free to raise your hand we'll bring you up on stage and you can ask brian a question if you just joined us this is our weekly fireside chat we do this every wednesday between 8 p.m eastern time we're gonna go about to we're gonna go to about 9.30 p.m. Eastern time today. So just a little while longer, uh, but feel free to raise your hand, pop up on stage and ask your question. Uh, you can, if you don't want to ask it live because you've got other stuff going on, feel free to send a direct message to myself and I'll read the question off to uh, Brian. So Brian, I did get another question that popped in. So what, this one is, as a developer getting into cybersecurity, what are some great books that introduce you to cybersecurity for developers? Uh, this person works with Python. Um, so th that is a interesting question. What do you, what do you say to that? That's awesome. I would say, uh, I, I won't make any recommendation on books, but just the fact that you're learning Python. Yes, definitely continue to learn Python. It helps with problem solving. Uh, I would say if you really want to see where, and, and this is going to be such a cop out kind of like answer, like YouTube, like seriously, like go to, go to YouTube, follow as many of the, like 
AWS is this is my architecture or go to find out all of these, these, you know, these practitioners that are out there with these YouTube channels, they really do give good advice on how to how to introduce security into a development lifecycle or get into that CICD. So uh, definitely continue on with Python, but uh, you know, books are great. But I, my recommendation is get practical and go to, go to YouTube, like really start researching in YouTube some of these these folks that, that, that you could follow. Great answer, but you missed an opportunity there, Brian, to say HBO Max should be developing a cybersecurity <laughs> training. Sounds like an opportunity for you, my friend. And I'm Silicon, happy to be Silicon on Valley, show. right? You can watch our show, Silicon Valley, maybe. There you go. There you go. Lisa Beth, go ahead. Hey there. Um, so I've been really enjoying the conversation this evening. And you touched upon um, one of the things that you're really passionate about, which is really developing your team. Um, one of my questions for you is, you know, the, the role of um, mentoring and, and guiding people as they continue throughout their career is so important. What are some of the things that you do and what are some of the techniques that you've learned over the years that you deploy with your team or that you found helpful? Great question. I think one, one of the things that I did with the team is each one, I, I, I kind of pick their brain on, on what they want to do with their career when they started working with us. And it's like, what, what is it that, where do you see yourself in one, three and five years, right? And then let's start looking at the roadmap for the organization and saying, what are the, the, the things that are within this roadmap that are going to help you in your career development? So that was one area that was, was good because then the team members get excited and say, I want to go work on that problem or I want to go work there. I think that's one thing that keeps that enticement with your team and keeps them eager to develop themselves really and, and, and seek that, 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 you know, that, that opportunity to work on those problems. That was one. The second thing that I do is I put a stretch goal for every single person on the team is that they need to open source something within a year, right? They have, to, I want something that they get open source. Why? It's because when they open source it, not only do they, are they solving a problem from a technical perspective, they then need to go talk about it, right? And they actually need to go publicly speak about it, whether it be in a blog, a conference, something like that. And, and again, those soft skills matter. They absolutely matter in career development. Like you could be as technical as you want, but if you can't translate that from a communication perspective into, uh, uh, you know, you know, business, business speak or business risk, um, you're not going to really go far in, in your career, unfortunately. So I, I put these stretch goals with, with the team um, so that they, they, they do that. Then another thing that we do is we do like monthly office hours and we open it up to the entire organization. And then I rotate it across the team. So this, you know, this month will be somebody, they have to pick a topic. They got to talk about what, what problem they were solving and then what it, how it's going to be available to the organization. Again, it shows off how their problem solving skills. It shows off the opportunity of how they're going to speak and how they're going to communicate with the organization. But it also opens up that partnership with the organization as well. Like there's somebody that they could reach out to. Uh, so those are the type of things that I kind of like instituted across the team that have helped with that, that career development and just seeing them grow. And, and like when I get, you know, team members that are arguing and, and fighting because they both want to be doing the same kind of like uh, uh, office hours, I love it. I'm like, one of you is going to have to wait. You know what I mean? Like they're eager to actually go out there and talk about problem solving. That's a good thing. That's fantastic. Um, and I just, I'm so glad that you're spending the time on your team. Having a great manager 
um, who really takes an interest and tries to cultivate people is worth its weight in gold. So thank you. Yeah, you're only as good as the team you have, period. My stretch goal is to wake up without back pain in the morning. Uh, Katie, over to you. <laughs> we were going to go a whole... Never mind, I'm not doing it. Bye. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, yeah, I have a lot of stretch goals too. Um, I, uh, I really appreciate what you said. And actually my, my question, Lisa, best question was the perfect question to be right before this follow-up question I had, because you've mentioned uh, several times that, you know, your leadership style, you've sprinkled in the word empathy, um, several times. Uh, I, I, I'm imagining you've picked up some things along the way from some pretty great leaders to have the type of leadership skills that you have today. I'm curious if you have, um, kind of any stories of, you know, kind of coming up, whether it's the Marines or in, um, in, you know, any of the companies that you work for in your career, is there a, a single person as an amalgamate of every single manager you've ever had, or where did you pick up all these things along the way? Oh man, that is a great, great question. Um, so I, I think it is a combination of, of leaders that I've had and mentors that I, I, I still have that have kind of like trained, uh, you know, the way I, I, I approach, uh, approach things. Uh, in the civilian world, in the private sector, I think one of the, he's still a mentor to me and I, I still reach out to him for, for advice. He's currently the, the CIO over at Topia Marine. His name is, is Bob Pick. Um, and I had the opportunity to work for him when I was at Condé Nast. And he is just one of the best mentors I've ever had in my entire career. He had such an ability to, one, be empathetic uh, in, in understanding you and your problem. That was one. He showed so much passion in helping you solve that problem that it really inspired me to, one, continue to work for him and continue to just really follow his lead. And then the third one was he was just a fantastic communicator. He could go into any room and really make it so that every person in that room felt like they were being, like he was speaking to them. And that's a talent. And that is, uh, you know, it, it wasn't just salesmanship. Like he absolutely had that ability to do it. And, and make that person feel valued so that they would partner with them and get, get to the root of the problem. So, uh, yeah, Bob Pick was just, again, he's, he's still a mentor to me today. Uh, he's the CIO, again, of Tokyo Marine. So he's, he's, he's been a really good inspiration in my life. The second one is uh, uh, Sirkan Kuten. Uh, so he was the CTO over at, at Zapdoc uh, when I started there. And he took such a, a unique approach in, in managing security. Sometimes when you report to a CTO in security, they kind of want to maybe dictate a little bit and you're under their budget. So it's, it's hard to kind of like make decisions. That wasn't the, the, the case with Sircon. He was uh, all about ownership. He, he really made it so that, you know, I had complete full ownership of my decisions. He supported that and really pushed me to think out of the box. And he, he really pushed me even more to innovate and to, to not always go to that off the shelf tool to not be afraid to use engineers to solve a problem, not just a tool. So again, he's still a mentor to me today. Uh, he, he's the CTO over at Amwell Health. Uh, so th those are two in, 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 that I've worked directly for. And then someone that is a mentor to me that I've never had the opportunity to work for, but I was, uh, I've been a, a, a fan of him, uh, and Tomas, you know him, uh, for, for probably the last 15 years, is Mike Higgins. Um, he, he used to be the CISO over at New York Times, and then uh, NBC Universal. He's currently the CISO for Amazon Pharmacy. 
if you've ever had the opportunity to hear Mike speak or go to one of his conferences, he's just awesome. He, you know, he was one of the founders of kind of like CERT. Um, he came out of the military as well. He was a helicopter pilot and then transitioned over to, to, to cyber. But his leadership style, his, his ability to communicate, again, was just something that always impressed me. And he's, he's a dear friend. I, I reach out to him again when I, uh, when I need advice or I just want to bounce something off of him. Um, so those are three people, I think, in my career that have really helped frame uh, my approach and my leadership style. Yeah, it shows. It definitely, I, I knew there had to be some really strong people that you've, uh, you've either worked for or worked with or uh, befriended along the way. It, it definitely shines through. And um, yeah, I appreciate that. It's always nice to know too, who to um, look out for if, you know, in, in terms of there, there's a million, I, I get emails every day about the webinars that people are doing. I mean, here we are, you know, and something that, you know, we want people to come listen to and it's hard to know what, what and who, you know, in the industry are good people to listen to. So that was so helpful. I will, uh, I, I love a, a military helicopter pilot turns to some story. <laughs> Yes, that's Mike. He's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we got to get Mike on uh, on on the clubhouse. We got to get him on the show. I think Mike is over at uh, is it Amazon these days. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's the CISO of Amazon Pharmacy. Yep. Now, good stuff, uh, Russell. Oh, I'm good. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I was talking on mute. I'm sorry. I put you on the spot. Uh, Jennifer, thanks for popping up on stage. Anything you want to ask Brian? Hey, Tomas. Thank you, everybody. Hi. Um, hey, Brian. Great. Really great talk. Um, I uh, A couple things hit home with that. So I just want to follow up on one of them with you, which is um, I used to work at Viacom and it was my first time going into the creative space versus, uh, you know, enterprise software. And working with creatives was definitely a whole new ball game. Uh, a lot of closed doors and a lot of different um, spheres of, of influence. How did you uh, break into working with them? I mean, did you find that they were very siloed in, in spheres? And, and how did you communicate or work with them on the security? That's a great question. I, I, uh, they, there are some silos in, in, in some of the creative workforces because uh, I'll give like examples at, at like Sony Music. It's like there's different labels. There's Columbia, there's Jive, and they operate differently. They have different artists, so they they kind of like work in a different workflow. And it's like, how do you uh, like telling somebody? This is back in like 2009, 2010. It's like, yeah, you can't send you know the latest album via AIM. Like you can't just transfer somebody's you know album via AIM. Like and and to get them to 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 agree to like you know change their workflow because it's better for 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 the company. And maybe not so so much for them was was challenging. How I did it was I wanted to to understand what they what what the process how how is the sausage made? How do you guys actually get the you know from from music to to delivery? Let's understand this, and let me just point out some areas where we can tighten up so that we could partner with you. And then I wouldn't try to recommend tools. I would I was never trying to really recommend tools. I was always trying to recommend different approaches so that I, they could see that I wasn't trying to like dictate or you know, change the way that they do their business. It was just, I wanted them to think differently about how they did their business, right? And help them to come up with that right secure approach that works within their workflow. So that helped a little bit on, on you know, in, in the creative side. And even today at, at, at HBO, like we, we, you know, we did a threat model called camera to consumer. Like we actually really tried to figure out how from 
from the moment that you know the, the the camera stops to the moment we deliver that piece of content to our 75 million public customers just on the hbo max side what are all the teams that that you know touch and and and, and do that and then really started to like put you know feelers out there and olive branches like how can we help them do things a little bit differently not dictating not saying you must you shall you have to but just saying hey we understand that this this is hard like we know what you're doing is hard and it's very valuable so we just want to make sure that we can help you do it and and that approach is, is kind of like broken down those the that silo or that fear that security is going to come in here and do something you know or, or mandate something differently yeah, no, that's awesome. I um, hearing that approach. I, I'm actually in legal, and so I'm I'm really the black hole that that brings all the you know stop work whatever. But um, but to your point, I, mean, <laughs> I call it different. I mean, I, it's exactly what you're describing. How how I approach things. What's the win-win, and what are their real incentives? Like they're the business, and how do I support them? As you said, just giving them tools or or telling them what they have to do doesn't work with what they're doing or what their, um, you know, what their end goal process drivers are. So yeah, that's great. Thank you. Good question. Thanks for popping up on stage, Jennifer, and asking your question, Brian. You you see, just thinking about you know your your sort of um, your journey so far, uh, your career journey. You know, you seem to be on the cutting edge of of companies and technologies that are, you know, almost a little bit of ahead of their time for, to a certain to a certain degree, right? You you were Vonage, you were Zocdoc, you you HBO Max. What do you think about that trend? Is it is it a trend? Is it a happenstance? Is it just because of the way you are and what you like in terms of opportunities? Um, you know, any anything you can add around that? Just curious. It's, that that's a great question. I, I think I, I seek it out. I really do look for those opportunities that is that is out of the box or is not what you typically look at. Um, I like disruption. I like. I think being on the innovative side of things or being with products that are, are, are you know, coming to market, it, it's fast paced, man. So it keeps your mind thinking differently. And to me, I just like the edge. I, it's an adrenaline rush for me when we're launching in a new region. Like it's an adrenaline rush when we're launching a new feature. And, and just to see, you know, how threat actors are going to look at this feature, how they're going to try to weaponize it. That That's an adrenaline rush for me. So I, I like you know, products or industries that give me the opportunity to be on the ground level, I guess, or be at, at you know, boots on ground, to just to see that. Because again, it keeps you sharp. I think it keeps you constantly ideating, even within your mind on how you're going to fix these problems. So I, I seek out these opportunities constantly. Uh, uh, and I, I, it's interesting because I hire, I like to bring in folks into the team that have that same mindset. Like I said at the beginning of the call, like security is a 1000% state of mind. Like you have to live this, you have to breathe it, you have to to, to really immerse yourself in, in, in security and not, again, not fall back on standards or compliance, which are valuable, don't get me wrong, but really think about how security is, is, is really part of the business, live it. Yeah, you know, it's something to be said, right, about blocking and tackling and making sure you don't have to throw Hail Mary passes at the end exactly. of the game, but you're, yeah. you're moving the, the ball forward. I guess I'll stop with the uh, football references. Football. But, uh, <laughs> I got you, though. <laughs> I'm just trying to get Octavia to come up from mute and tell me that I'm saying some old dad joke or something. I think you're trying to you're, you're trying to you're trying too hard. It's, it's not it's too easy. I, I need to be able to catch something. You're giving me no alley oops. Literally, you're already you're, you're doing it yourself. It's making it 
right in. It looks it looks like I'm not throwing any interceptions, which is uh, I'm not throwing enough <laughs> interceptions. Brian, you you said no. something earlier about your your team, and and the, um, and and sort of the performance review process and the objectives and goal setting and things like that and. And you talked about sort of stretch goals, which I, I completely agree with. And I don't want to put you on the spot. So if I am, I, I, I'm not really trying to. But I'm curious, what are your stretch goals? What, what, are, you, what are you still looking to continue to grow and, and stretch yourself into a different direction, if you will, or, or in the same direction? No, that's a great question. I do have stretch goals. I think there's a few things that I, I, I when I look at, at, you know, the current problem statement within HBO Max and, and, and just the, the streaming world is what is there an opportunity for the HBO Max security team to kind of like come up with a way that completely changes the way that the user experience comes into or, or the users come into the experience. When I look at a simple thing like login, like we've been logging into portals and we've been logging into to, to the experiences the same way for the past 20 years and stuff still happens, right? Is there an opportunity for us to ideate or come up with something that facilitates that experience? Is, is it time to start bringing a, a passwordless approach to these type of, of experiences that is native, that we're not using a third party, right? Uh, so I'm always pushing the envelope on what we could do from a security perspective to facilitate that customer experience and make sure that we're still keeping the risk uh, at bay, right? So that's, that's one of the big things that I have as, as a stretch goal is what can we come up with it, within the product, what feature can we come up with within the product um, that, again, is going to facilitate the experience and, and, and eliminate some of that friction for, for, for our consumers? Good stuff. I'll tell you, I know you have another question. Go ahead. Yeah, it kind of goes back to your team as well. You know, Brian, earlier you talked about kind of like those things that you your team always are kind of fighting each other because they, they're the ones that want to present. And what I found, especially among um you know, those who, who are not as visible within our industry, you know, um, you know, maybe minorities, a lot of, you know, younger, um, younger people that's in the industry, it's difficult for them to speak publicly, right? And so how do you, how do you cultivate your team and motivate them and engage them in, and, and develop them so that they can actually articulate their views, their thoughts to, to the industry so they can be more visible? That's a great question. There's the two areas. I think I, I had mentioned the office hours uh, that, that we do that, that, you know, each member of the team has a month that they have to, to talk. That helps develop it. But the other thing that we've, we've been toying around with is Toastmasters, bringing Toastmasters in and, and those individuals that are part. And Toastmasters, if you guys aren't familiar, it's like it helps with public speaking, right? And it's signing your, your engineers up and, and getting them to be part of, you know, take part in, in kind of like a Toastmasters. It helps with that communication style helps them understand how to articulate things that they could totally do behind a keyboard right but now they have to verbalize it and they have to even use their body language to get that message across um, and and you know you're not going to do it as a leader yourself so don't be afraid to outsource this and bring in folks like toastmasters or or uh you know trainings that that, that can help but offering these type of programs to your developers helps and and it, they appreciate it. They thought, even if you don't get them to speak at a conference or speak publicly, the fact that they're starting to gain those skills, it'll eventually happen. It'll a thousand percent eventually happen uh, that they'll, 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 you know, have that confidence to do it. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. 
Brian, I don't think you you answered this question, and if you did, I'm sorry that I just can't remember, and I'm a little hungry. Um, but <laughs> thinking thinking about the sort of advice that you've you, you so early on, you listed out your, your sort of three three core 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 mentors of yours, um, and just thinking about the sort of advice that they've given you throughout the years. You know, what was one of the one of the pieces of advice that, or the best piece of advice that that has sort of that has stuck out for you? Or that you've received from them and that stuck out for you and you've kept that throughout your career. What what is that? Sirkan, Sirkan Kutlin, he gave me a piece of advice and it was like, Don't be afraid to fail. And 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 think about it. When I mean we're security practitioners. We are constantly afraid of failure because we fail in security, that means it's like something happened from a negative perspective. And he was the one that just he said, Look, we're in tech. This is you know, we're expected to fail. How we recover from that failure, how we learn from that failure is important. Uh, so he was always one that put him on my don't be afraid to fail. And then he, he upped the notch even more. And he said, if you're going to fail, fail fast. Like he wanted us to ideate quickly, get to that, uh, you know, learning from, from, from that failure is more important than, than dwelling on that failure. Right. So uh, that has always stuck with me. I pushed that throughout my team. Like it's, it's, you know, fear is a greater threat to innovation than adversity. So don't be afraid to, to, to fail at all. And if you can fail, fail fast learn from it so you can continue to ideate and get to that to that solution yeah failure sounds like a four-letter word (laughs) but i agree how you how you learn from that and how you pick yourself up and how you continue to move forward uh is is important and when you do fail own up to it right don't don't try to hide it ryan she's back up here for, uh, for another question go ahead ryan thanks so much um i just wanted to piggyback off of that and Right. Why, why do I come to these weekly fireside chats? Right. I, I'm hoping one day to be a CISO. Um, I have definitely let Tomas know that I think he has one of my dream dream jobs. I'd love to come for the next 10 years. But I'm not leaving Brian, yet, Ryan. I'm, I'm not leaving yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I want you to keep doing what you do. And I want it to do, you to do it well. And, and you can a- answer this question, too. Right. But like, you know, so it's two part. Um, you know, at what point did you realize you wanted to be a CISO? How long after you realized you wanted to do that, did you did you first become a CISO? And then like, what's next, right? Is it CIO? Is it CEO? Is it, is it, well, I know, Brian, you mentioned you're also an adjunct professor, um, you know? So like, it, like, I don't think that's been mentioned directly. And, and I just think that right from the advice you just gave, like, that's what I'd love to learn. If you, if you want to benefit, I'm, I'm hoping that'll help someone else in the audience as well. Um, but that's where I'm at. No, that's a that's a great question. I, I it, my first CISO gig was was uh, Condé Nast, uh, and this is, that was uh, 2014. So, uh, no, wait, 2011. I'm sorry. So, um, wow, it's been that long. Uh, uh, to, uh, when I don't know if I knew I wanted to be a CISO. Uh, one, I think the first time you you become a CISO, in my experience, I think the first six months are. Uh, this is a new term, but you definitely have it as imposter syndrome. Like, is this the right role for me? Am I doing the right thing? You don't, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you're doing. I think that uh, it's a pretty scary, but rewarding uh, kind of like experience. I enjoy what I do. I a thousand percent enjoy what I do. I think, uh, uh, do I see myself being a CISO forever? No, I, I do have, I do want to, to, to get into that entrepreneur kind of like a approach. I do see myself in the next few years looking at, is there an opportunity to launch a startup or do something that, that uh, I could bring a product to, to, to market to kind of like help. So I do see myself maybe 
you know, again, in the future, transitioning to, to uh, more that CEO and, and, and entrepreneur state. And I mean, when I retire, I will uh, like totally continue to, 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 to adjunct. Uh, I, I, it is the most rewarding job. Take everything, uh, uh, you know, to the side, uh, you know, I will probably be an adjunct for as long as I could physically do it. Um, because again, it is that rewarding. Ryan, I was two years old. There was keys in my hand. I decided to, <laughs> to try to pick my, pick the lock and get out oh of the crib. <laughs> and that's I'm surprised. I... I'm surprised that wasn't a football joke as, as you've been saying them all night. <laughs> oh, so my son doesn't even remember when he was two years old. I don't know why he does this. Oh, <laughs> there's the old joke. You see, why, why I gotta be the old guy in the room? Come on, Octavia. I would say, um, Ryan, Ryan, I, I want to say before you go, some us, hold on, like, because Ryan, you kind of sidestepped, you know, wanting to take some us a job. By the time you're ready to take his job, you can kick him out, right? For real. So <laughs> I would just say, and he'll be ready to retire because his back's going to start cracking. So I think you just go ahead and just, you know, link up with Tomas, link up with Tomas and, and start <laughs> letting him be your, uh, be his apprentice. Why not? I volunteered. He, that is, I mean, just so, you know, that's how I got here, right? I reached out one day, not sure what came over me. Not just like on LinkedIn, like, I got to let you know I've been cyber stalking you on LinkedIn. Not really stalking, right? But like following with admiration. And he's like, you should come on the fireside chat. So here I am. Um, and, and yeah, I would love that job one day, uh, you know, not to call, not to call attention to anything, but it's exciting as a Super Bowl and that halftime show was like, I was looking just as much at the ransomware, um, with the, what the 49ers that weekend, not going to talk about that. Right. But to me, that was just as interesting and I wish I could have known more. Right. So appreciate, appreciate all of this. Hopefully I don't get kicked out for bringing that up. Oh, we got to move you to the audience now, Ryan. <laughs> on stage. Uh, uh, no comment on anything that Ryan just said, but, um, uh, look, Ryan, it's a, it's an, so one, I sincerely appreciate that you've uh, taken my message to come on these fireside chats and you found, uh, you know, good information and valuable information to, to, to help you in your career. So definitely appreciate that. Uh, I aspire to retire soon and potentially be an adjunct professor. So I got to talk to you, Brian, about that, because, you know, one of the things that I enjoy, and, and I know this is not about me, this is about you, Brian, but what it's since since you are an adjunct professor, one of the things that I always enjoy is trying to educate and teach people and, and, and really educate the community. And so that's one of the things that I've decided to think about how to approach and explore that uh, given a busy schedule that I do have, uh, but try to work my way towards some, something like that. So I'll put it out there in the, in the, uh, uh, in the air and maybe it'll, it'll pan out to something more significant uh, in the future. Um, but Ryan, you are more than welcome to take my job whenever you want. I'd be more than happy to, uh, to help get you to where you need to be. Um, because look, this job over CISO is very interesting. It's very exciting and it's a uh, very stressful, uh, at times. So we need more people to do it. Uh, we need more women in this industry. We need more 100%. diversity. We need, we need a ton of more resources because the battles that we face on a daily basis you know, are significant from a business standpoint, significant from a geopolitical standpoint, significant from a cultural standpoint, and significant from a people standpoint. And, you know, there's, there's tons of stuff happening around the world. I'm not going to get into the sort of political side of what's happening around the world, but 
if you don't think that that impacts you in your day to day, you are mistaken. It does. And there's a lot of cyber activity and cyber warfare that's that's taking place and will be taking place and will continue to take place as as it evolves. Uh, so, you know, this profession is not going away. We need more sort of uh, skilled and trained up professionals to uh, to join us. Um, with that, it is 9.17 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, if you do have a question for Brian, feel free to raise your hand and we'll bring you up on stage. If you have a comment that you want to share, feel free to raise your hand and we'll bring you up on stage. If the first time you joined us on the Fireside Chat, um, you know, there's a little greenhouse on the top left of your screen where it says Fireside Chat. Looks like a little Monopoly house. You can click that, join our Fireside Chat Club, and you can get alerted to when we do this. But as I said, we do this every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time to, to uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And by golly, it's almost been a year. Can you believe that, moderators? Can wow. you believe we've been doing this for almost a year already? Every single wow. Wednesday? Wow, what a commitment. Um, but it's fun. It's fun and it's exciting. And Pam, good to uh, see you on stage. Uh, anything you want to ask Brian? Over to you. And Pam, I muted you when you jumped on stage. Uh, so there's a little uh, button on the bottom right of your screen where it looks like a little microphone. Press that and you can talk. I think you can hear me now, right? We got you loud we and can. clear. We can. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to say I am so grateful for all the women on the phone today and Tomas your dedication to diversity and inclusion in the space makes my heart sing. And Brian, thank you for your service. And it was so great to hear your story tonight. And I just want to say I am so excited about this forum and I'll be back. Thank you for inviting me and just lots of applause for all the females in the, in the audience tonight. I'm just so impressed. Thanks for coming up on stage, and uh, I am equally impressed. Annette, over to you. Anything you want to ask, Brian? Hi, Brian. Hi, guys. Really um, great to meet you guys, and I've really, really enjoyed it tonight. Um, I'm dialing in from London, and I'd just be intrigued to to understand perhaps what some of the um, your worst breaches you've you've had to cover and face over the years. Um, what perhaps some of your recommendations would be if anybody's facing that currently at this moment in time, what piece of advice you'd give? Ooh, and, you know, what are your question. thoughts <laughs> and what are your thoughts on when people actually pay ransom, right? You know, businesses and whatever, you know, would you advise you would pay it? You wouldn't pay it. What are your thoughts? That's, that's, me, that's a great question. I would say, so I'll talk about, uh, I'll generalize this. Uh, uh, I did have uh, some incidents in some past companies. Uh, so this was a unique one. Uh, I don't know if anyone here has had experience working with uh, our, our friends in, in, in the federal government. I encourage everyone to make those connections. Uh, reach out to your local FBI and, and find out who your cyber uh, you know, you know, agents are that are in, in your region. It's important to maintain that partnership and and really help, uh, you know, just have that connection. But I remember this was many, many years ago and, and a few companies back, uh, I had a knock on the door and it was uh, our friends at, at the Three Letter Agency. And uh, they gave me the network diagram for the building that I was in. And they were like, yep, we found this online. <laughs> they didn't tell me where it was, uh, what site it was on, when they found it. Uh, and it was kind of like a, you know, 
this is before cloud. So it was pretty alarming for us to actually see that. Uh, so that was one of the bigger ones because, again, it was a three-letter agency that actually came and knocked on my door and, and gave us that information. So that was, not to say scary, it was just unique that, that you know, we, we, we had that level of, of information that was publicly available. And when I say it was a network diagram, it was our entire architecture that was, you know, publicly available. I would say preparation is the key when it comes to breaches. Um, just like in, in football, Tomas, like you win the game in prep and you win the game in practice. Um, so I would say always be prepared uh, for, for, for these breaches. I host a lot of tabletops. I do a lot of tabletops. Basically, before every single big launch, um, any new region or any new feature, we hold tabletops. And we talk about these type of scenarios because how, how you respond. Look, everybody on the, on, on the call, you're going to go through an issue. Like, don't think you're going to go through your entire career and this is not going to happen. It is going to happen. Like, so how you respond to it, how you prepare to it is 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 key, right? So constant preparation, constant vigilance, um, keeping your engineers and keeping your practitioners uh, 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 trained up and, and ready to respond, I think, is the key thing to, to resolving that incident. As, as security practitioners, our job is to prepare for, respond to, recover from. Those three things you could sum it up, right? So it's, it's that, that recover from uh, where, where incident response comes key. And then on your last question on the ransom, that's a total business decision. I, I think we're part of the preparation, right? Look at like how your cyber insurance is, where that covers it. Do you have uh, ransomware brokers as part of your cyber insurance? Are you, do you know who can invoke that? Do you know how to actually contact those cyber, those, those ransomware brokers um, if you need to engage that, practice that, understand that. And then it's a business decision. I'm not going to say pay or don't pay. It's, it, it depends on your business. What's the risk if you don't pay? What is the risk to the impact to, to, to your brand, your customers, your service? That, that is a total business decision. As a security practitioner, I think it's your job to help the business make that, that good decision, help quantify that risk, help understand what that recovery time is, if not, right? So I think that's where security practitioners need to play a role, it, it is really helping there, again, preparation and, and, and response. Um, so yeah, I, I think those, those, I hope that answers your question. That's great. Thanks very much. And, you know, this is Lisa Beth. I'll just chime in because I simply can't help myself. I am not acting as anybody's legal representative, but just be aware that the office, the, uh, that OFAC, the Office of Foreign Asset Control has put out some, some guidance on payments to, uh, individuals that could be listed on this, uh, SDN list, the specially designated nationals list, making it, uh, possible that if you are paying somebody um, uh, a ransom, that you could be violating other laws. So just be aware that's one of the things that's kind of a new trend in this space. And Brian, completely agree with you. It is a business decision, but there's a little, there are lots of factors in there. Thanks for popping up on stage, and that and wow, it's two a.m. Thank you. That is uh, that is some. Look, we appreciate you uh, joining us um, on, on stage. We do recognize it is 2 a.m., but thanks for popping up on stage and asking your question. Um, look, it is 9.24 p.m. Eastern time. We've got about six minutes left. Uh, so if there's anybody in the audience that wants to jump up on stage and ask a question, feel free to raise your hand. It's been a quiet group, to be quite honest. Usually we get a lot more people on stage in the audience, so, especially from, from some of the regulars in there. Uh, we do, I do see recognize uh, some uh, folks. There's been some folks throughout the day or throughout the session uh, with the little party hat uh, on there. 
sort of icon. Welcome to Clubhouse. That means uh, you're relatively new to Clubhouse. So welcome to Clubhouse. Um, Brian, I'm going to uh, actually, before I get to this, Marge, any, any sort of final question before I ask uh, my last question? I think no question, but Brian, thanks for being with us. And uh, I really admire what you did when you named the names of your three mentors. I mean, I don't know those folks, but I really admire them. And, and uh, it would be really cool if there were some way to be able to know the tribute you pay to them and the impact they had on you. So uh, much respect for that. Thank you. Now they'll be able to replay this back because they're going to start wondering tomorrow when they get a bunch of emails like, who's emailing me and why am I freaking out flooded? <laughs> <laughs> they're, going to, they're going to come and play this back and say, oh, Brian, thanks. Thanks. Really appreciate it. No, no, that is, that is, that is good on you, my, my friend. Um, look, so I usually like to ask this question. Uh, we, we talked about books, but you, you kind of you didn't make any book recommendations. I really want to know if there was anything that you were reading that wasn't cyber related. Uh, but I'll ask you, you know, if there was one piece of advice that you could give to the younger Brian, what would it be and why? Oh, wow. That's that's a good one. The younger Brian. I would I, I wish I would have gotten Sircon's advice when I was uh, first coming into the industry. I was, uh, uh, you know, not being afraid to fail. I think I overcompensated a lot early on in my career because I was afraid to tell the business bad news or be that person that, that had bad news for the business. And I think that that really impacted my, my, my career, I think, early on. So I think that's, you know, something that, that I, I wish I could, I could change. I've definitely learned from it and, and, and really done it. And, and not to, you ask about a book and I'm all about Audible, sorry. Uh, there's one Audible that I would recommend and that's Extreme Ownership. And that's by Jacko Wilkin, who was a, a, a former Navy SEAL. And, and the concept of extreme ownership is that, right? Like not pushing the blame, not saying, hey, I, I, you know, I passed the ticket on to this team. It's their problem now, right? I drive extreme ownership throughout my, my teams. It's like you own that problem from the floor to the door. Like you want to make sure that that problem is resolved. Don't, don't say, hey, it's now that team's responsibility. Are you following up? Are you ensuring that that is done? Are you ensuring that, you know, we're securing the customer experience and that that issue that you identified is, has been resolved? But that, 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 uh, that audible, it's a little long. It's 26 hours, but it's definitely uh, I, I would recommend it to anyone. It's, it's again, Extreme Ownership uh, by Jacko Walker. I just added it to my Audible list, my friend. I'm an Audible guy as well. I like listening to uh, to audiobooks on my drive into work because I've got like an hour and a half drive. But anyways, enough about me. But I will add that to my list. And, you know, I like to call that customer service. So, you know, jokingly, or not jokingly, but early on in my life, you know, I was in a fast food restaurant business. And... It was all about customer service, making sure that the customer was happy when they came in and when they left. And so ensuring that you take ownership of that as of their experience, if you will, you know, that's what I like to call it, customer service. But I'm going to read that or listen to that extreme ownership book because we can't say we read it, right, if it's audio. So I'm going to listen to that book. Um, But anyways, Mods, any final thoughts before we kind of conclude? Man, even the mods are quiet today. Wow. Thank you, Brian, for your time and for your inspiration tonight. It has been truly exceptional. So we just appreciate you being here. Thanks for the opportunity. I loved it. This is a great, uh, just great fireside chat. I, I, you know, I would welcome the opportunity to come back and, and just a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I think don't. Oh, good. Good. 
Go ahead, activate. Sorry. Awesome. I'm sorry. No, I think we all were trying to add extreme ownership to our Audible. At least I was. <laughs> this is why I'm so quiet. This is like, I'll be back in a second. Uh, 26 hours, though. Wow, that hurt my heart. Um, yeah. Thank you, Brian, so much for, for being here. I think, you know, just the, you have a leadership presence and you you speak about leadership um, in a very clear and concise way. And I would just, you know, I know that you are, you're passionate about being an extra professor but like that leadership is needed in the industry and your, your voice is definitely needed. And so I would actually, you know, con- you know, consider and, and encourage you to continue um, to speak and, and to encourage more leaders in this, in, in cybersecurity. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And my, my final thought and what I was going to say before is just um, don't take our silences um, as anything uh, negative. I, I was just marinating and all of the really great tips that you gave us tonight um, really, just amazing insight. And you know, anyone in, in in this industry, we're always building out teams. We're always having to move very quickly. The reminder to fail fast uh, is just such a great reminder. Uh, so, just want to thank you again for your time and all of your insight tonight. Awesome, thank you. And I'm sorry, Maz. I know you guys were all doing something. Uh, um, obviously, adding the, the audio book, I, I did as well. Uh, I was just messing with you all. But look, Brian, it's been it's been really fantastic having you uh, with us this evening. Uh, thank you again for taking the time out of your day. Obviously, thank you for your service, uh, Ryan, who came up on stage. Thank you for your service. And if there's anyone in the audience who, who from the military, thank you for your service. Uh, we do sincerely appreciate uh, appreciate you and all you've, your sacrifices. Um, there was one thing that I wanted to say. Oh, before we before we kind of conclude, and Brian, I'll leave you with the last word for for the evening. But before we kind of we, we conclude, uh, I just want to remind everybody again: we do this every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, to about 9:30 p.m. Eastern time. If you tune in next Wednesday, uh, so March 2nd, we have Steve Tran, who who is the former CISO at MGM, and yep. I believe is the current CISO at um, the DMC. Yep, DMC. He's at the DMC. Yep. So. Uh, tune in. I'm sure. I'm sure Stephen. I'm sure Steve has a, a ton of interesting stories. So please join us back next next week. And so Brian, again, final words for you, my friend. Awesome. Thank you very much again. Really appreciate the opportunity to be here. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I would say final words is uh, let's stay together as an industry. It absolutely takes a village uh, to do this. We're we're stronger together. We're stronger together not only in the industry but. As Tomas mentioned earlier, like and, and bringing more diversity, uh, you know, and inclusion into the industry. Diversity of thought is incredibly important in problem solving, and bringing those practitioners in uh, to bring that diversity of thought and security is 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 totally important. So let's let's continue to stay together as an industry, and, and uh, let's let's you know look out for each other. Please find me on LinkedIn and Twitter, and I, you know I'm happy to connect with anyone here. Absolutely, follow Brian on uh, on LinkedIn and Twitter, and obviously on Clubhouse because I'm sure he'll be speaking again and brian if there's anything that we can ever do for you uh don't hesitate to uh, reach out and uh and get in touch with us and let us know so that's the uh that's our show this evening thank you all for for attending uh we will see you all back next week 8 p.m eastern time on wednesday cheers bye everybody thank you bye everybody bye